What is up, folks? I've got a little bit of an interesting hybrid episode today. I'm going to start off by giving you folks a little bit of a catch-up slash update on what I'm up to life-wise. There is also going to be a lot of exciting changes happening, and I want to make sure you're in the loop for all of that. Plus, we're going to get into some news stories in typical Emulsion podcast fashion, from Sean Brock News to Whole Foods to Food and Wine's Best New Restaurants, this super dope omakase restaurant as well in Japan, and so much more. Welcome back to the show. My name is Justin Kana. This is episode 60 of the Emulsion. If you're new, this is a show where I talk all about the news stories and industry happenings that matter to me as I navigate my career as a professional chef. And then I give a little bit of insight and moreover my opinions that I've gained in my last more so nine years uh, of this industry. So this show alternates. It's typically a solo episode where I bring you some news stories. And then on the next week, I will interview a professional in this industry, whether it's a former chef or a farmer or an author or an entrepreneur or a creator, and I will pick their brain not only to help me improve, but to also ask them how they achieved success uh, to hopefully help you do the exact same. If you have someone that you want me to interview or want to learn more about this show, head over to justincona.com slash podcast that's on the screen right now if you're watching on Twitch or on YouTube. All that information is there ready and waiting for you. Thank you so much to the sponsor of today's show. That is you folks, uh, especially the Patreon fam. That is the best way to support me and all the content that I make at this very moment. If you get value from watching my stuff, if you want to say thanks, I would really appreciate it. It's patreon.com slash justincona. That is the best place to to financially support me. So thank you so much in advance for doing so. Beverage for today is uh, this bad boy. A little bit of a peach and pear LaCroix. It's kind of tastes like soap. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but you know, it's how it happens. In update news, this is going to be a semi-off-the-cup. I normally uh, script this show, but I want to kind of riff on some topics. I saw a video from Craig Adams where he did something very similar to, as kind of like an update solo podcast episode. So I just outlined some points that I want to talk about, and this is going to be a very candid one-on-one -on -one chat that I'm going to have with you folks. So let's get right into it. First topic being tasting and seeing what sticks. This was all about basically my approach to 2017. When I moved back from Europe, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to do something for myself. I knew I wanted to do something that was not in the kitchen all the time. I was very, very frustrated with the fact that in order to get paid, in order to do what I do and get a paycheck, I had to be physically in one location and I had to be on my feet and doing grunt work. That was really, really hard for me to wrap my head around. I saw all these people who were, whether they were content creators or photographers or, or writers, they could produce something and then have it be viewed and have it be shared and have it be exposed while they were sleeping. And that was something that I never had when I was cooking. If I was making money off of cooking, it was during a very distinct time and I was there, so I was trying to figure out what can I do to m make it so that I can not just share my ideas, but hopefully make some extra cash through my work being something that was not cooking. So that was me in 2017. I took all these freelance videography jobs. I did a lot of event stuff. I did a lot of stuff in 2017, and the purpose of that was to taste, to see what I could do to make sure that whatever I was doing for the long term 
basically seeing what sticks. And for me, a lot of that was is hashing itself out right now. I'm finally realizing what all of this work and all of this, all of the side jobs and all the odd gigs that I took, what I enjoyed. Because prior to that, I had a very, very distinct goal. I wanted to be a, I wanted to have a three Michelin star restaurant in the Midwest of the United States. Uh, and that was my goal. And that was what I was pushing for. And it was very difficult for me to switch and go the other way and start to think about something else. So, um, I just want to give you an update on that's what I've been doing. I don't want it to seem like I've been all over the place. I kind of have been all over the place, but a lot of that is me hashing stuff out because when I get an idea, I have to put it into action. I have to show it. I have to make sure that you guys can see it uh, and then get your feedback. And then uh, if that's something that sticks, that's something that I will pursue more. That's why the emulsion is still here. That's why I'm bringing Dish of the Day back. Uh, Even though a lot of you guys are like on my case about it, it is coming back. I'm going to give you an update on that later. Uh, Next up, you might notice that I'm here. I'm here at home in my apartment in Seattle. It's because we are moving out of the WeWork space. That didn't take long, right? I wanted to test it. Again, testing and tasting and seeing what sticks. It was great in the environment that I was around. I thought that I would connect a little bit more with the people in the office, but unfortunately, it didn't really happen like that. I... What ended up happening was I would stay in my office, I would do my editing, I would kind of talk to people about food sometimes, but everybody else is so focused on either data or uh, customer users. It's not to say that I didn't fit in, it's just that other YouTubers have expressed their concerns as well with like co-working spaces and being frustrated with the fact that they can't necessarily shoot videos in those spaces. The acoustics in that space were really, really bad. Hopefully you're noticing in the podcast quality right now that it is definitely a step up because it's just, that's just how it is. The, the, the quality is better, uh, when I'm not going crazy with, uh, uh, worrying about that. I had to buy some sort of foam cover thing. I was always stressed out about doing interviews, even with, uh, being completely mobile and on my own. It was very difficult to do podcast interviews in the WeWork space. So I'm not knocking WeWork as a place. It's an amazing company. It's an amazing system for doing things. Just for me, the way that I work, it wasn't really working. And same with Patrick, the artist that I work with. He was using it as a marketing tool more so than anything else. So WeWork is great, just not for us. He's going to stay on and have a quote-unquote hot desk, which means you still have a membership. You can still go around the country and have access to WeWork spaces. But for us, just an update, I'm moving back into my apartment. I'm going to be using a lot of the more amenities that are here at my apartment. Uh, We have like a community room where I can actually do stuff. I can host interviews, and it's a dope space. I just, I've recorded a couple episodes there. I just haven't gone full bore on it yet. So that's that. Hopefully that's a little quickie update. I'm moving back in the office and more doing more of that coffee shop life. Next up, hopefully you've kind of been seeing on my Instagram stories a little bit. I've been kind of teasing at it a little bit. She was on the podcast, I think episode 39, Bella Sanger. uh, She is an Indian chef. She's here in Seattle. She has her own business called Sri Bella, uh, Sri Bella Foods on Instagram. That's currently going a little bit through a little bit of a rebranding. Village Kitchen is the Uh, current space that she has uh, here in Seattle, and I've been helping her with some stuff. It started first as like one-off events, then it started to become consulting a little bit, 
now it is more or less becoming this full bore thing where I'm with her. I'm part of her team. I am a, I guess you could call it a consulting chef de cuisine style position with her. And it's going to grow. It's going to evolve. I can't tell you too much about what she's up to because a lot of it is under wraps right now. There's lots of investment money that's going into it. There's lots of uh, hush hush. But what I can tell you is that I did help her uh, kind of develop a product for Amazon Go, which if you don't know is kind of a interesting retail concept centered around food here in Seattle. Very excited to let that happen. She is, if you didn't catch that episode, she is from India. Her family is from India. And that was really, really exciting to be a part of that, to see uh, what it's like for me in an Indian-inspired environment. I was really, really excited to see where my head would go. And it go, it only goes to a good place. And she's a really good person. She's a really smart businesswoman. And so... I'm excited to be partnering with her on more things going forward. So just to keep things 100% transparent, I am working with Bella more and more. And that will also lead to its own pros for you folks as well, aka a kitchen space where I can hopefully shoot DOD in. Another thing that is in the works, something that I'm going to be posting a lot of going forward on Instagram, is this concept called Date Night. So she does have a private event space. It is where we shot the podcast that she was featured in. And what ended up happening was I wanted to figure out how I can host more events in there and what would be the best event that I could host in that space. Again, back to stuff that we talk about here on the podcast is not necessarily where do you want to serve the food that you already want to do. It's you look at a space and what is the best kind of experience you can provide in that space. So that is going to manifest itself into this thing called date night. And her space is a little cottage, so we're calling it Day Night at the Cottage. I'm selling it as a four-course menu. You're probably going to end up getting between five and six courses by the end of the whole thing. It is $95 a per, uh, per couple. That's the interesting thing about this whole concept is that it's not tickets per person. It's per couple. So you can't come by yourself. You have to have someone with you, which is an interesting way to market something because uh, I found that a lot of people want to come but because I told them no and that they can't come by themselves, they're forced to kind of find this other person to come with them, which, one, helps me because it ensures that they're going to have someone to talk to at the event. They're not just going to show up by themselves because they're a foodie. But it also makes them evangelists for the brand. It makes them, it forces them to go out and market for me, which is a really interesting uh, caveat that I've learned, especially in marketing this thing. So, Again, back to strategy. I want to share myself, share what I'm doing, be fully transparent with you folks. I have uh, been marketing it as a getaway. It's a it's a getaway. I am hosting the first one on April 12th. That's actually on Thursday, and that is not a open to the public one. That is something that I opened up just for quote-unquote influencers. You call them influencers, they're more or less content creators, people that I know will get good content for me that can then be used uh, to market the date night going forward. So uh, for, if any of you guys have asked me about pop-ups, I've told you that it's smart to get people that have some influence to uh, be evangelists for you, but I'm using it on the flip side. I'm saying, I'll give you a discounted ticket. I still want you to pay to cover my costs, but I want to use your content to market the project going forward. 
So again, another interesting hack that I'm personally using in 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 my process. I hope that I hope that it's uh, valuable that you guys can use it uh, for your stuff going forward. Not because I don't see the value in influencer marketing. I do. I just want to be fully transparent in how I'm I'm thinking about marketing, how I'm using uh, all the tools available on the internet to market the the cooking that I'm doing. Uh, will this manifest itself into a restaurant project? Maybe. Again, stuff that I can't necessarily tell you guys right off the bat uh, or 100%. I wish that I could, but I can't. That's just that's just the way that it is. That's just how the how how it goes for me right now. All right, dish of the day. I have a space to do dish of the day as one-off uh, live streams, and that's the way that I want it to be right now. How I produce them, I'm not 100% sure yet. Whether it's a very similar to the emulsion where I shoot it live, you get to see it being shot live. But then on the flip side, I also shoot an edited piece. That's something that I don't know if I can keep up with on by myself right now. We'll see. Uh, just wanted to give you guys an update on that. Continuing on, Twitch. What is up with Twitch? Twitch is a service that I have to obey by their rules. I've talked about it before in other live streams. I'm still seeing if it's something that I want to keep pursuing. As of right now, it's still really fun. You guys seem to be enjoying the live streams. I love hanging out with you guys on the live streams. I need to be better about scheduling them, giving you guys a heads up, figuring out a way to center it all in one place. It's tricky juggling six different social media platforms and producing all my own content, but it's something that I'm trying to, to, to grow and trying to improve on all the time. So I hope that you guys uh, stay patient with me and give me all of your feedback on Twitch. Uh, I'm really enjoying the unboxing segments as I'm getting more and more products sent to me. I really enjoy that part. So hopefully you guys can give me some feedback on Twitch and what you're thinking, what you're feeling, anything I can do better on Twitch, and we can go forward together on that platform. Next up, I want to talk about paid promotions. A lot of you guys... Well, not a lot. There was a couple people who commented on my last live stream I did with Dalstrong, and they were very, very concerned with how I presented it. Some people were saying that I was biased doing a 24-minute unboxing video. No, I'm not biased in any regard. I don't. I will be very, very forward with you folks. If anybody pays me anything to say anything about them, I don't take those brand deals, the people who say that they want me to say good things about their product. If I do take a deal with a brand, it is because they want me to produce the content for you folks as awareness. That's the only thing that I will give to a brand. Uh, if I do, I have a rate that I charge for that video and then they pay me for that video and I 100% I make it very transparent with them from the get that it is my honest opinion. I'm sharing my honest opinion with them and that's exactly how it is. That's how it's always going to be. And I don't want you folks to get it twisted that a company can send me stuff and get a free video out of it. It's not how it works. I just got done sending an email to a company that wanted a free video. Uh, doesn't work like that. I the, the the trust that I have with you folks is the most important thing, and it's something that I wouldn't trade for the world. No amount of money can 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 uh, suffice for that. So I just want to make it completely clear, transparent. You guys know exactly what I'm thinking about uh, as far as uh, that stuff goes. So what else do I want to talk about? Uh, coaching. 
I have had amazing success with a lot of you folks uh, with talking through your problems, talking through your career, uh, talking through potential job opportunities, uh, rewriting your resume, how to talk to a chef, uh, dish ideas, and all of that is great for the few people that support me on Patreon right now, the few people that I've had as guests on the podcast. I really, really enjoy being able to help you folks in that way. It doesn't scale very well, though. With taking on more of these cooking projects, with wanting to do more in-depth content stuff, it doesn't exactly scale the best, and I only have 24 hours in a day. And so what I want to start doing is thinking about coaching, what does that look like? That looks like one hour long Skype calls, uninterrupted, basically one-on-one conversations where I can, you can answer, you can ask whatever questions you want. I can get very in-depth on you and not only give you some direction, hopefully, but some advice, some very tactical what to say in certain situations, uh, how to set yourself up for a promotion, whether it's a job that you didn't think that you can get. Uh, how do you get that? What are the what are the tactics? What are the the avenues you go down to make those things happen? Uh, it'll be completely one on one. It'll be a kind of like set rate for the hour, and I mean I would love for it to be a supplement to a culinary school, basically, or a supplement to a real world job situation where you can not only. Uh, continue to get that real world experience, but you have someone that's kind of like, who knows how to do it, who's been there before, who can walk you through some of these steps. And I know it's going to be 100% valuable. I've seen results with it already. I wouldn't be pursuing it if I didn't see that it was working. Again, back to that tasting and seeing what sticks thing. So uh, I have a couple case studies I'm working on with folks right now who I'm coaching and providing value to them and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work and where I can provide value just another revenue stream for myself where I can provide value to you folks and you guys can uh, compensate accordingly. It's just something that uh, I want to pursue and I see other YouTubers, other people doing it with success who have had success in previous industries, uh, something that I want to pursue. And so if you're interested in getting, uh, having some one-on-one time, if I can uh, chat with you, I would be 100% down to do it at a discounted rate right now until I get to a point where I can uh, roll it out as its full-fledged thing. So if you're struggling, if you want to get that promotion, if you want to move on, if you want to take two years off and go travel, uh, I can help you with that. And I I, I know that it's valuable and I know that you guys will really benefit from it. So hit me up if you're interested in some coaching stuff and stay tuned for that going forward. What else? Travel. I'm doing some travel going forward. I am going to Minneapolis the first week of May. My girlfriend's brother is proposing, so that's very, very exciting. Uh, We're going to be in Minneapolis. I don't think I will have time for a meetup. It's going to be very, very fast and furious. I want to get to a point where we have some cities where we can do some meetups going forward. There was talk of me doing one in Australia, but that trip, unfortunately, is not happening. So I want to go into New York in, in October. That is also something that's on my calendar, so stay tuned for that. And then also going to Japan in October as well. Stay tuned for the vlogs for that. That's going to be a really, really awesome trip. Uh, My dad wants to travel to Japan, so excited to spend some time with him doing that. That's about it for the update stuff. I hope that was a entertaining enough first half of the show. I know that a lot of you that watch the podcast are kind of like my real OGs. 
There's a lot of people that watch my uh, gear videos that never say anything. They never comment. They never ask questions. They never have a chat with me. And that's okay. Not all of you need to be this kind of talkative, commenting, outgoing person on the internet. I totally understand that my gear videos are escapism for a lot of people. And I didn't feel like it was enough of a cohesive video to make it on its own. Uh, you folks come to this show to hear what I have to say, and I appreciate that, and I want to make sure you're kept in the loop with what's happening in my life as I figure it all out. If you have any questions that I can answer, please, please, please let me know. I'm always happy to answer those. So let's get into the news story, shall we? We'll transition into the, the news uh, part of the show. So first up, Mr. Spencer Venancio suggested this story. Bon Appetit did a piece on April 3rd called Sean Brock on How Sobriety Changed the Way That He Cooks. Spencer says this is pretty close to how I think about life, so I gave it a read. I will start by highlighting some of the main points uh, Sean Brock says about self-care. Quote, in the industry, there's this codependent tendency to not take care of yourself, but to take care of everybody else instead, end quote. And this quote means a lot. Hopefully you can relate to it as well, but there's another kind of quote that kind of supersedes that. I always look for those quotes in my life where if there is a quote, there's this kind of uh, sense of something being true. Is there something that makes it either irrelevant or is better than that? And so the quote that I have is that, quote, you have to put your own oxygen mask on before you help anyone else, quote. We all learn it on airplanes. It's not it's it's not commonplace for people to do so, so they have to remind us. I mean, of course, there are these selfish people who will put their own oxygen masks on first who couldn't care less about others, but for us in the hospitality industry, it's definitely a true statement. I'm, I'm not calling Sean Brock a fool for realizing this. It's definitely a revelation. And a lot of people kind of have to go through that. But another quote, he says, quote, It's been a year now since I got sober, and when that happens and you're a chef, your cooking changes. It becomes not just about deliciousness. It's how you feel. Your soul, your body, your and your brain. It pushes, it pushes you to find new ways to get in-depth into cooking because the food needs to match the mind and soul. Simple, sharp, and tidy. The clarity that comes along with my self-care routine allows me to stand in the middle of the kitchen in chaos and remain peaceful and calm. I don't second guess my cooking anymore or push myself as hard as I used to, just for the sake of torturing myself. Flavors and techniques just sort of fall out of the sky now and have more courage and confidence. I know that if I do my best and that I can focus on making the next right decision, I'm doing my part and that's all I can ask of myself. It's also become very difficult for me to cook heavy food, unless of course it's fried chicken or cheeseburgers. I want people to eat my food and to gain energy and happiness, not stumble out the door and fall asleep on the way home. End quote. I want to rewind. I want you to rewind this and listen to it again because you need to hear this. This is one of the world's most influential chefs saying it's cool to be healthy, and not just an influential chef, but a classically trained male American chef that cooks Southern-inspired cuisine, saying that he eats salad for staff meal. He says in the freaking article, "Oh, and I always keep lavender oil in my bag to keep myself grounded when I feel my nervous system becoming dysregulated. That brings back so that brings me back so fast, like smelling salts." End quote. Isn't that crazy? That's a great time to be alive. He continues to talk about seeing a neurologist and meditation, not drinking soda, seeing a counselor and a holistic therapist. And there's so much more that he goes deep into the article right now uh, on uh, in specifics, but I just have, I have three camps to be in right now, and it's going to speak to different people. 
Camp one is, if you're like Sean Brock, if you've been in this industry for a while, if you aren't happy with your lifestyle right now, you're tired, you can't sleep, you need to lose some weight, you have a lack of energy, you want to cut back on alcohol spending, whatever, this could really be eye-opening for you, this article, this this mindset shift. He is proof that you can turn it all around that you can get serious about your health and well-being, even at this point in his career. I hope you'll realize that, who was that? Uh, The Jack LaLanne guy from the infomercial, he says, you're the only you that you've got, or something like that. It's true. And with all these resources available to you, there's no reason for you to not take your health more seriously. And I know you might just be saying, Justin, I'm not Sean Brock. I can't afford to buy lavender oil and see three professionals and eat salad for staff meal every day. Well, there's this guy named Aubrey Marcus, He just came out with a book called Own the Day, Own Your Life. He talks about all of these quote-unquote free drugs at our disposal. So he talks about sleep and mindfulness practices and water and sunshine and sex. They all have crazy impacts on our well-being. And if you do them the right way, they're free. Yes, some people do pay for them. But that's how screwed up it is, right? Like, shift the way that you think. I think you'll be surprised, and Sean Brock certainly was. The second camp that I want to talk about, the person number two that I want to speak to on this topic, is people like me, people who have been healthy, who care about their health, the weirdos in the industry, you know, those guys that you see that bring coconut water to work, or the girl who's drinking green tea on her station instead of the Red Bull, right? Like the people who can't go out after work because they got to go home and they got to go to bed, they got to get their sleep in for the night, the people who wake up hours before their shift starts to go exercise, that's all finally becoming cool. And it's weird. It's great to see. Uh, Not much more to say there. I went through a lot of years where I was looked at like an alien for not wanting to go out for drinks after a 13-hour day. And I was just like, it doesn't make me feel good, right? Like, I'm super in tune with how my body feels. Unfortunately, it has to come from a big dog like Sean Brock, but whatever. It helps move the needle in the more positive direction, and I'm all for that. The last person that I want to speak to about this article is is you. Well, maybe it's you. If you're new to this industry, if you haven't had the opportunity yet to work in a restaurant, if you aren't old enough to legally drink, if you when you have this opportunity given to you, it, when when you finally get into a restaurant or, or or get into that place where you're you're on your own, remember this article. I encourage you to remember this story. It's why we study history, right? To make sure that we're equipped to make sure to make a decision based on what happened before. You can see like, oh crap, this really big chef spent years drinking and collecting whiskey and eating like crap. And he went into a depression and his cooking suffered and his relationships fell apart. I don't want to do that. Right. And you can, I'm not saying be this super sober, fun-hating person that never indulges in anything. Of course not. You need to know what a shot of Pappy tastes like. You need to drink an entire bottle of champagne by yourself. You need to have a real Neapolitan pizza and a real salty carbonara with guanciale and eat a quinumon uh, or three of them by yourself in the morning. That is where we get inspired. That is where we can treat our guests because they come to us for those experiences and those indulgences. You need to know what that feels like to be a gourmand, as uh, uh, Paul Bocuse would say or or Ferdinand Poin would say. Uh, I'm not saying go out. What I'm saying is don't go out every night after work and pick up Taco Bell on your way home, right? Like moderation, I hope, is your big takeaway from this whole thing. And if you're new to this industry, I encourage you to take notes and decide for yourself and don't become a headline yourself like Sean Brock did. Next up is actually a YouTube video. Eater did a really beautiful piece on Chef Masashi Hamada's Japanese restaurant, Yanagiya. It is beautiful. 
I learned a lot. It is essentially this tiny, tiny spot where they create this erori, a cooking place where it is sunken earth. They build this tiny, tiny structure with charcoal and they light it and they skewer food on sticks and lean them up against this fire. And then you eat these skewers of food as an omakase style meal. The kicker is that all of the food that they serve is like really rare game and small animals and fish that is hunted individually. Uh, some They said that sometimes they uh, hunt for the food themselves, it, but it's really super simple food. It's, prever it's prepared live over a fire in front of you by a real human. So you kind of have to get an invite to get a table. That's the other super interesting caveat with the restaurant. You can't just walk up off the street. You have to be invited by someone who knows the restaurant already, which is really, really interesting. That def that point definitely pissed off a lot of people in the comments below the video. Uh, I just think it's dope. It goes back to what I talked about in me, Kim's episode of the podcast. I just think it's awesome that being specialized at something and doing that one thing and doing it really well and becoming known for it is really, really special and unique. Uh, I sent this to my friend saying that I want to do this someday, but I have like a mini 10 door oven and it's kind of like a counter and I can just stick things on the inside of the walls of the my mini 10 door oven and serve it to people. Uh, it's just so dope. I think you should watch it. It's a really, really good piece, especially if you're into that Japanese aesthetic. Next up, is a article I wanted to cover just for sake of showing you folks what I pay attention to. Bill Addison wrote a piece called The Restaurant I Wish I Knew About Sooner. So let's uh, let's start with me this time. There's a lot of what I don't care about, right? Like I don't care about what the name of this restaurant is. I don't care about the chef. But clearly, neither of those played a role in him writing this piece. I care about the details when I see a headline like this. Why does this roving critic write a piece like this? Where is the restaurant, right? Like, what kind of food are they serving? And more importantly, how are they serving it? What is the price point? What makes it special to him? What are these pieces that catch this critic's attention? So let's do it. Let's break it down. This spot is called Via Carota in the West Village of New York City. They are Italian in nature. Bill says that it, quote, feels essential, end quote. And what does that mean? He says, quote, I spend my days thinking about restaurants that are essential, the havens that become indispensable to their communities, that galvanize trends, set standards for hospitality, or illuminate a cuisine in ways that feel fresh and magnetic, the places, in other words, that become an indelible part of our culture, end quote. So as far as food goes, he talks about a, quote, a, a snarl of fried sardines and onions was still a still life of flailing tails and kinetic rings. The chicken livers, my God, they crowned a thick slice of toast along with onions and garlic cloves and frizzled slices of ham, softly scrambled eggs siddled, sidled on top. He then talks about uh, the salads, the pastas. What's the takeaway here? He doesn't talk about the service. He talks a little bit about the atmosphere. He doesn't even talk about price. But for the most part, he's impressed by the simple, unapologetic, hearty cuisine that he had, and it was enough for him to basically hint at at the end of the article that he was going to include them as a quote-unquote essential restaurant for the next year. And that's, of course, Eater's List that they publish where they talk about uh, their essential restaurants for the U.S., so what's the takeaway? For me, it has to be don't try to appeal to these gatekeepers, yeah, right? Like, yes, impress them, but do so on your own terms, uh, right? Like, this restaurant could have done a Instagrammable, towering chicken liver toast, something, something, blah, blah. Would it have had the effect 
that their same dish already does, right? Like Bill can only be in one place at a time. He travels the country eating at all of these restaurants. You can't expect to cook for him every single night. You need to do food that's true to you, that's true to your space, that's true to how your customers that you already have love you. And then when someone like Bill comes along, you just show off what you're already doing, right? Like it's pointless to shoot for these articles, to to have those end as your ambition because they should be the icing on the cake for you, right? Like that shouldn't be your main striving point in life. I've been a, I've spent a lot of time thinking about reviews and stars and awards, and they truly don't matter as much to me now as they used to, but that's a story for another time. For now, props to the team at Via Corota for crushing it. I really, really hope to eat there soon. Next up, in diet and food education news, Mark Bittman did a piece where he talks all about quote-unquote eating right, and this is some awesome reading for any food person, chef or not. I've certainly got in a lot of questions. Gluten or no gluten? Is vegan healthy? I'm eating all of these raw foods. Uh, I have a diet that's high protein, high fat, blah, blah, blah. As someone who food serves people things that they put inside of their mouth, I like being knowledgeable about these kinds of things. I like telling people hey, not all fats are bad, and you can make vegan food tasty and all of this stuff. So let's get into it. I'm just going to read a couple of points from this article. Uh, it definitely goes way more in depth than I'm going to give you right now. But when he talks about paleo, he says, our forebearers are thought to have eaten lots of insects too. Few people espousing the virtues of paleo seemed inclined to try that out, end quote. Uh, when he talks about detoxing, he says, quote, the body detoxifies itself daily. That's a primary job of the liver and the kidneys, and they're really good at it. The intestines, spleen, and immune system are on it too. So you want to take good care of your liver and kidneys and gut and immune system. That's a far better cleanse than any juice. How do you take good care of detox all your detoxifying organ systems? By taking good care of yourself, of course. That means eating well, not smoking, exercising, sleeping enough, managing your stress, and so on end quote, lol, see the uh, Sean Brock piece above. Uh, on carbs, this is probably the silliest of all the silly pop culture propaganda about diet and health. All plant foods are carbohydrate sources. Highly processed grains and added sugar are bad, not just because they are a carbohydrate, but because they've been robbed of all the nutrients. They raise insulin levels, and they're often high in added fats and sodium and weird ingredients. Carbs are not evil. Junk food is e evil, end quote. Then he goes a little bit more on about gluten. He says, statistics Statistically, a small percentage of the population is gluten intolerant. About 1% of people have celiac disease, and possibly 10% have lesser forms of sensi sensitivity, which may be related to other factors like a disrupted microbiome. But still, 90% of people have no problem digesting gluten." End quote. And the list goes on. It talks about diet versus exercise, beans, it talks about superfood, avocados, probiotics, frozen vegetables, and so much more. If you've ever had curiosities about any of these topics, I 100% recommend that you check it out. I learned a lot, uh, some of which I definitely already knew. I love, love, love researching this stuff. I love being able to have an intelligent conversation with my guests about what they're eating. Uh, I don't claim to be a nutritionist uh, on or off of the internet. It's just one of those things, right? Like the more you know, the punchline for so much of it is moderation right? Like just like the Sean Brock piece, no one food is something that you can eat every day and it's going to a hundred percent give you two times the energy and a six pack, right? Like on the flip side, eliminating something completely from your diet won't do the same. From what I've seen, problems often happen on the polar ends of the scale. If you cut something completely out of your diet or if you aren't getting enough of something, problems happen. And if a huge percentage of your diet is based on one specific thing, like processed food, another problem is going to happen, right? Like you have to play in the middle sometimes with, with, with diet especially. Speaking of that, question of the day, what's your favorite junk food? 
Mine is Oreos. Let me know in the comments down below or tweet at me. I would absolutely love to know what you guys like to eat. What's your guilty pleasure? Next up in quickie news that I just wanted to briefly touch on, Whole Foods is apparently having some problems. They are not adjusting well to that Amazon life. They are attempting to centralize their merchandising. Their vendors are mad. Their executives at Whole Foods aren't getting along with Amazon executives. Amazon wants to offer a 10% discount at Whole Foods to Prime members, and there's just a lot going on. You might have seen the rumors of Amazon wanting to buy Target. I just saw another headline this week that Kroger and Target might merge together, making the grocery and retail giants a pretty big powerhouse, especially because most, most of them have already consumer-facing brick and mortars, something that Amazon doesn't have with Whole Foods quite yet, especially in smaller cities in the U.S. I know here in Seattle we have like one Whole Foods that I could realistically go to. There's one more that's a little bit further away, but there's four Kroger-owned stores and one Target in that same radius that I would probably shop at. So definitely an interesting move. I'm not super industry focused with this story, I know, but I don't know, maybe one of these guys rolls out a restaurant concept inside of them, or they start doing cooking classes, or they start carrying unique uh, produce uh, in inside their stores. It's just an interesting uh, thing that I'm paying attention to. Uh, it's also nice, it's something that I am really interested in geeking out about. I love learning about how these companies that are way bigger than me operate and how they're navigating uh, 2018 and beyond. Last up, Food & Wine literally like two hours ago just dropped their restaurants of the year list. I'm going to quickly read them off for you. Maidan in New York City, Better Luck Tomorrow in Houston, Fairfax in New York City, Reams in Oakland, Superior Motors in Braddock, Grand Cafe in Minneapolis, Voyager in Ferndale, Kimuri Tatsuya in Austin, June Baby right here in Seattle, and finally Lhasa in LA. So huge congrats, obviously, to everyone that won. I've only been to June Baby uh, of, of the places on the list. It was expensive, it was super casual, and it was delicious. I haven't been back in about two months, uh, since about two months after they opened, uh, but I know that Eduardo is killing it here in Seattle. I know that he just bought another space as well, so it's great to see that happen in the city that I'm living in. It is interesting to me that they rank them as as well. I, I read those in order for you folks. So Maidan was their number one uh, best restaurant of the year, which is interesting. So feel free to check them out if you're interested in learning more about any of those restaurants. Absolutely check out the chefs behind them as well. Uh, it's, it's research that's definitely uh, worth being done. Uh, Jordana Rothman is the editor that uh, made sure that a lot of those pieces happened. So last up, in industry style. Normally, I would do a direct answer segment, uh, usually a DM from you folks that you guys send to me. Uh, of course, with your knowledge, the ones that I did have for this week were a little bit too personal. There wasn't one that I shared with you folks that I felt comfortable sharing. So uh, I'm going to open it up on Twitch right now. I know that the connection is really, really bad for you guys right now. So if I do get some questions from you folks, I'll be 100% sure to answer that to everyone watching live. I'm going to do some work to figure out how I can make this a less demanding task for my computer. Uh, but if there are any questions that you folks on Twitch have, post it now. I will come back in a second uh, to answer it. But I do want to get into our non-industry story of the week, which two is going to be two things real quick, only because I need to let you guys know that I really enjoyed Ready Player One. I told you folks I would go see it. I definitely saw it. It was super, super good. I really, really want to see it again. I just got Movie Pass, which if you don't know is like this $8 a month card that you can use to get super cheap movie tickets. I don't know why I didn't get it before. It's like every single week I'm talking about a movie as our non-industry story. I also covered a book in my Don't Make Me Look Like an Idiot 
intermezzo episode, which if you guys haven't watched yet, you definitely should. The it's is a book called Sapiens, and it's by Euro, U, Yuval Noah Harari. It is insanely, insanely good. I just finished it uh, two or three days ago. Barack Obama recommends it. Bill Gates recommends it. Mark Zuckerberg loved it. Uh, it. It literally changed my perspective or reaffirmed my perspective on so many things from religion to social structure to money to business to governments to happiness to science and farming. It was a really, really, really fascinating read. Uh, I listened to it on Audible, but I've got that linked up below. If it's something that you're interested in, it is an affiliate link. If you want to check out the book, if you buy it through that link, that's a way for you to support me as well. I highly, highly recommend the book, and it's not about cooking. Uh, I have no doubt that it will help you with your cooking, though, so that's a really, really interesting point uh, that I just wanted to cover. Uh, I am still struggling with the connection on Twitch. I apologize to everyone that tuned in for the live stream today. Uh, I'm going to do a live stream after this to catch up with you folks. But that'll do it for this week's show and episode 60 of the Emulsion Podcast. If you have stories that you want covered next week, shoot them to me on Twitter and hashtag the Emulsion so that I can find them. If you have stories for any of my upcoming guest interviews, check out that schedule and suggest new guests by visiting justinconnacom slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want to support future episodes, head over to patreon.com slash You can support any of my content for as little as $1 per month. Thank you so much in advance if you already do so. Subscribe and follow if you aren't already. Leave a thumbs up on this video or consider leaving a review on iTunes if you listen there. Regardless of where you are, I really, really appreciate your ears. So thank you so much. My name is Justin Kana. Have a good one.